Right, it's uh, 29 minutes to three. I've just been sent a message about a new drink that has zero guilt. And I wonder if Tim Noakes has seen this one uh, posted by uh, Ravi, Ravi uh, um, Naidu, who is the founder of the Design and Dabba, talking about fitness buff and banting diet. Here, bubbles with zero guilt, 60 calories per 110 milliliters, certified by winemaker Peter Ferreira, discovered today, Graham Beck Brute Zero. Oh, okay. Oh, let's have a look at uh, 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 banting then in today's conversation about uh, health and wellness. And uh, this new publication, this new book is The Banting Pocket Guide put together by Tim Noakes, Bernadine Douglas and uh, Bridget Allen. And he's going to be joining us to talk about what they sought to achieve with this particular book. Um, And it is clear it's easier to use. um, It answers a lot of the questions that you may have about banting. And we'll take those as well on 011-883-0702. The low-carbohydrate, high fat lifestyle uh, 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 the, li- the 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 banting uh, diet ag- advocates for a diet high in healthy fats and low in carbohydrates so they clarify some of the those myths saying that it doesn't mean they no carbs at all it's just low in carbs and that's very important to remember but how do you know if your body um is able to deal with a higher carb intake that's one of the questions i've always had and i'll be putting it forward to him and eating only real healthy and fresh foods that's what the life style advocates following a nutritionally dense diet comprising meat, fish um, and eggs, nuts, healthy fats and a variety of vegetables and fruits and eliminating additives, um, chemicals, preservatives and other harmful ingredients. So uh, that in a nutshell is uh, what's in store for you, a breakdown of some of the issues that pertain to banting um, and uh, the mission that uh, he's on. It's been popularized all over the world. People have adopted uh, adopted banting and uh, I've just been uh, gripped by this Um, and I think it's good to have a pocket guide instead of uh, the massive book um, that was the original publication because it simplifies everything and even has recipes. So how has banting worked out for you? It's 011-8830702 Your questions for Professor Tim Noakes is what we'll be looking at. He gives different scenarios and what you can do using banting which I think is incredibly useful. If you have too much stress, if you're not sleeping enough, if um, uh, too many diets in the past uh, too, uh, if um, uh, you're doing low carbs and high fats at the same time, all of these scenarios um, that uh, you that, they, that, that they've gotten feedback on and how to resolve them that's what this uh, pocket guide is all about. So your calls on 011-8830702-31702 for your SMSs Good afternoon Professor Noakes thank you so much for your time It's my privilege, thank you for having me on your show Azina, Azina. Azania. Azania. Yes. Thank you. Yes. Um, so let's look at the reasons, the motivations behind why the pocket guide. Well, we wrote uh, The Real Meal Revolution about three years ago, and it really was a cookbook with a bit of science. And it really took off and motivated a lot of people to, cho- to choose the Banting diet. What we realized was that for many people, it was too expensive, the book. Perhaps many of the recipes were a little bit expensive. Mm. And we didn't have guidelines of actually how you go about following this type of diet. Mm. And the two ladies, Bernadine Douglas and Bridget Allen, who are active in the field prescribing this diet all the time, had written a lot of stuff and they'd been handing it to their patients and their clients. 
and they felt, well, it's time to put it together in a book. Mm. And so that's what they did. And I just, uh, I went through the book, made sure it was scientifically correct, and added a few comments at the at the beginning. But yes. this is, it is a guide to, if you decided that you wanted to band, how would you do it successfully? Yes. Absolutely. I think it clarifies uh, some of the very overwhelming <laughs> information that is there, particularly online. As people talk about it, you feel that you still have to start at uh, uh, zero base. And uh, this actually gets you off uh, to a great start. So let's tackle some of the issues. You attempt to clarify the myths, what banting is and what banting is not. Yes, indeed. Uh, what it is, is that we restrict carbohydrates. That's the key. So the, the key is to get rid of the, the very popular carbohydrates, the bread, the rest, bread, the rice, the pasta, that we tend to fill our diets with. Mm. So we will eat good foods, we'll have the meat and the dairy and the eggs, but then we'll add all these other foods and then we'll add sugar-based processed foods. And what we've learned is that sugar-based processed foods don't really satiate you. They make you hungry. So you're always wanting to eat. And that's one of the problems. You have to remove them or else you'll continue to overeat Mm -hmm. even on the the healthier foods that we prescribe. So that's uh, what it is. What it is not, it's not a diet where you just go and eat all the protein that you like Mm -hmm. and go mad on it. We're still saying you must learn to eat to hunger and you must eat till you're full and only eat when you're hungry. Don't go and because you see the food, you feel you must now eat it. (laughs) (laughs) So I think one of the foci is to get people to eat less frequently than they do. Yes. Yes. The idea that you have to eat, you have to eat three meals a day. There's, or six meals a day, as some people say. Yes. That's, that's not biologically based. That's, that's purely because people are eating addictive foods and they get hungry every three hours, so they have to eat again. Yeah. Let's take calls then, Professor Noakes. I've got uh, Hugh in Kempton Park. Hello, Hugh. Hi there. Yes, welcome. I'd, I'd just like to say that I've been banting for about um, three years. Um, I've lost weight. My fitness is good. I'm full of energy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sleep well, um, have absolutely no negative effects whatsoever. Right, so it's been really working for you. Absolutely, yeah. Mm. Thank you for the feedback, Hugh, out in Kempton Park. Um, and then also we have Sandra and Kailami. Good afternoon, Sandra. Hi, Azania. Um, my question is, what I'm a runner, yeah. specifically a marathon runner. And um, how, how best, what, what to eat? And especially in the morning, because some of the races usually at 6 a.m. Mm-hmm. So having to eat as early as 4 a.m., I, I really struggle with that. So what would the professor recommend? Um, yes. Uh, and have you been banting? How you, are you banting already? Sandra? Okay, we've lost her, sadly. Um, so Professor Noakes, advice for her as a marathon runner? Yeah, that's a great question because many people think that you have to eat all the time if you're running marathons and, and Bruce Fordas and I are guilty for that because we introduced the concept to South Africa in the 1980s and we produced the first goo that you use. And the reality is that if you're probably fat adapted, in other words, you've adapted to the banting diet, mm. you just burn the fat stores that you have in your body and you can run a marathon quite comfortably without eating. 
And you, if my, I always say, well, if you're going to run for six hours, then you've missed a meal. So just stop and have a meal. That's because that's what you would normally do. Yes. But the idea that you should be eating all the time is simply nonsense. Mm. Your body's got plenty of energy to complete a marathon without needing to feed either before or after. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you know then, how do you go about finding out if you're a person who is able to tolerate a high carbohydrate intake? You asked the high carbohydrate intake, you know, you're quite right, because only a small percentage of the population can do that. Mm-hmm. I estimate maybe 10 or 15% of the population can safely eat high carbohydrate diets. And I think one of the markers is that they don't put on weight with age. And they don't get any of the other features that indicate what we call pre-diabetes. You don't uh, have a foggy brain often. You don't fall asleep in the off- mid-afternoons. Mm-hmm. You don't tire during the day. The, the, the key marker, though, is just progressive weight gain. And you just start to feel lethargic as you get older. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, we used to think those are features of aging. They're not. They're features of what we call insulin resistance, inability to metabolize carbohydrate, and then eating a high-carbohydrate diet. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you make the point to create the distinction between uh, a, a, a distinction and to clarify about a metabolically healthy uh, um, a person. What Correct. Does, what does that mean? Well, you see, up till 19, the 1960s, humans ate a much higher protein and fat diet. And then in 1977, the U.S. guidelines changed. And for the first time, we were told to eat more carbohydrates. And incidentally, we became the first mammals on the planet to eat a high-carbohydrate diet. Mm. <laughs> Although ruminants like cattle eat cellulose, they actually digest it into fats and they absorb it as fat. So even animals eating cellulose are eating a high-fat diet. Mm-hmm. And so mammals... Most mammals are designed to metabolize and meta- uh, absorb, co- absorb food as fat. Now, what we did in the 1970s, we suddenly forced people get to get most of their calories from carbohydrate. Yeah. And for three million years, humans have not been designed to work that way. And the, for the majority of us, we simply can't cope with this massive load of carbohydrates over 20 or 30 years, we become progressively more metabolically inflexible and we convert that carbohydrate into fat, we become fatter and we get all these diseases, diabetes, cancer, dementia Mm. and so on. And they're all related to this inability to metabolize carbohydrate. Yes. Mwako says that I was doing banting and lost weight, but it's difficult to eat a low-carb diet when you are unemployed. Banting is expensive, he says. And this is part of the the problem that you were trying to resolve with these recipes that are included in this guide. That's correct. Okay. So my foundation, the Noakes Foundation, realized that the problem was that the Vanting diet was expensive, as it was being practiced in Santon and Bishop's Court and Constantia. Mm. And we said, can we do it differently? What happens if we go to the poorer communities? And we've had now experience in six different communities in the Western Cape. And we've been able to produce good food, healthy foods, at 30 rand a day. 
Now, I appreciate that is still too much for some people, for many people in South Africa. Mm. But it's a lot less than most people would think you have to spend to eat a, eat a healthy diet. Right. So the, the, this part of this book, the, 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 the proceedings go to the Eat Better South Africa campaign. And that is our campaign mm-hmm. to get the poorer people in South Africa eating healthily on 30 rand a day or even less. Mm. Let's take calls next. I've got Nicholas from Norwood. Hello, Nicholas. Hi, Zanya. How are you? I'm good. Welcome. Good, thanks. Um, I'm a student at WITS. I'm busy studying um, cell biology. Mm. And we had a research project last year about um, intermediary, intermediary metabolism, in other words, cellular metabolism, um, during the Banting diet. And uh, what I could come up with uh, during my research is that um, is, um, the basis for this diet is that we want to try to keep our insulin levels low, right? So that we don't um, store the carbohydrates and convert them to fat and store them. But my question for the professor is, how come the fat that we absorb is not um, just padded on extra as well? All right. Professor Noakes, do you understand that? That's a great question because you're quite right that most of the fat that we we store in our fat cells actually is fat in the diet. Mm -hmm. You're quite right that although we do convert some carbohydrate to fat, and particularly in the liver, and particularly fructose and fructose in the liver, most of the fat that we store is fat. Now, the, the way the Banting diet works is it turns off your hunger and it ensures that you're only hungry enough that you eat the number of calories you need to have the perfect body weight. So as soon as you go on Banting, your appetite drops and your calorie consumption drops dramatically. Mm-hmm. So you're eating less calories. So there's le- although you're eating more fat, there's less fat to be stored because you're actually burning that fat. When you take carbohydrates, as Nicholas quite correctly points out, you secrete insulin, and that insulin drives the fat into the fat cells, and it locks it there. Mm-hmm. You can't get at the fat. And then you have to burn the carbohydrates that you're always ingesting. So, so Nicholas is absolutely correct. We get the insulin down. That then gets the fat out of the fat cells. We can burn that fat, and we eat less. So as a consequence, where our fat cells are exporting fat rather than storing fat. Right. All right. So that's the thinking, the science behind it. Alan, um, let's hear your question out in Boxburg. Hello. Yes, hi. Um, my question is, uh, on the, in Dr. Noakes' book, it says you shouldn't eat saturated uh, um, processed meats, but salami is on the list. What, what, how do you define processed meats? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Alan, that's a really good question because if, you, if meat is slightly dangerous for us or bad for our health, the only linkage that ever has been is processed foods. And I'm not convinced that, that it's causally related. I think that the poorer people who do other things, maybe they smoke and do, and low socioeconomic class people are anyway at increased risk of disease. And that's what might be picked up. In other words, eating processed food is a marker of people who are at increased risk of disease because they're from the low socioeconomic classes. 
We, there's no absolute certainty that processed meats are damaging our health. So I think what we wrote in that book was, at the time, it was conventional, mm-hmm. be cautious about processed meats. I, I, I'm reluctant to say that you should avoid all processed meats. And mm-hmm. until we have better evidence eating in moderation some processed foods like salami mm-hmm. or bacon, I think is fine. All right. So you're saying those are fine. Salami, bacon. Yeah, I think that that's correct. The, you know, again, one, one could argue we don't want people to eat meat that comes from, that is not pre- from animals that are or raised organically and eating grass. Because yeah. so, so meat that's raised on corn is mm. not healthy. But, but yet it's probably better eating that than eating pasta mm. or rice or potatoes. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's all relative. Mm. Yeah. And so our, our goal is to get people to eat better. It's, it's often you, you can't be absolutely perfect. We yes. can't all eat meat organically grown on grass-fed beef. Or salmon that is raised in, that is free floating in the ocean and not raised in, in farms. So it's the key is to let's just eat better all the time and, and, and that's going to make us healthier. Right. Let's take a break. My guest is Professor Tim Noakes, and we're looking at the Banting Pocket Guide um, and some of the answer or some of the uh, questions that they seek to answer through this uh, latest publication on Banting. 702. Healthy lifestyle. Right, it's 10 minutes to uh, three. Let's take some of the remaining questions for Professor Tim Noakes. Johan, uh, good afternoon. Hi, how are you, Johan? Hi. Um, Tim, just a comment. Um, high intensity training. I've been dancing for a couple of years very successfully. Uh, the epic last year, it was quite a fallout. And this comment that, you know, it was a combination of two things. One is high intensity training as opposed to endurance training combined with people just on dancing. And on big long rides, they were all crashing, you know, halfway through two, six, seven hours in. Mm-hmm. Um, surely we should be following that kind of intensive training with some immediate supplementing. Which kind of intensive training? Your line isn't very clear, Johan. Uh, I'm sorry, like the Cape Epic. If okay. you're riding seven, eight hours high intensity, mm-hmm. you need to replenish something. You can't rely entirely on it. We've tried and we all seem to bonk at about six or seven hours. Oh, okay. On a banting diet. Yeah. yeah. All, all right. Uh, so, how do you respond to that? As you said to Sandra earlier, what if you're hungry, just stop and eat? <laughs> no, exactly. Uh, Sandra was perhaps different than Johan. You know, the mm-hmm. average marathon runner, the epic is a is a different race completely than a standard marathon. The, most marathon runners are are not hugely competitive. They're taking four and a half, five hours to run the race. They're running quite slowly. They walk. Mm. And those people don't really, the probability of them needing carbohydrates is much less if they're properly adapted. Johan is quite correct. There are a lot of people who, even though are well adapted, when they go for four or five or six hours at a much higher intensity mm. and where they are moving up the hills fast, at times they're working really hard, it looks like they do need carbohydrates. I mean, Chris Froome is a great example, winner of the Tour de France, he goes on the banting diet to lose weight, and that is his base diet. He's, he's seven kilograms lighter now because he's on the banting diet. Mm-hmm. 
But when he races, he eats more carbohydrates before the day of the race and during the races, they eat carbohydrates. But what and does that do when, when you shoot up the amount of carbohydrates in the body after not having had uh, them at that level? He, he's still eating less than he would have in the past. Uh-huh. So in the past, the, these guys were eating a kilogram of carbohydrate a day and very little fat. Mm. Now they're eating much more fat and they might be eating 200 or 300 grams of carbohydrate, which is substantially less. It's less than most South Africans. Most South Africans are eating 300 grams of carbohydrate a day. Mm. My view is, in answer to you, Han, is absolutely 200 grams or 300 grams of carbohydrate in the morning and a little bit of carbohydrate during the race would be fine. All right, Johan, there's your so, answer. Let's go and next. Again, it's, yeah. again, it's because it's a higher intensity. Mm. One mm. of my great friends, David Pocock, the, the, the Wallabies flanker, who converted to this diet, and he also will take 200 grams of carbohydrate on the day of a of a, ray, a, a match against right. international mat, rugby match, mm. but otherwise he's full banting. Let's next uh, hear from uh, Nontlandla. Hello, Nontlandla. Hi, Azania. Yes, hello. Um, I'd like to ask the professor a question. Just following up on what Johan just said, mm. um, I've tried banting um, for weight loss purposes, and I'm anemic and I've got low blood, and I find myself when I try to exercise in the morning. Um, I tend to be feeling very weak, and my body literally craves um, to have some carbs. Mm. So I want to know, how do I overcome that challenge for me to be able to stick to the banting and be able to exercise at the same time? Yes, yes. All right. Prof, it's one of the questions that you tackle, what to do when you're craving carbs, but mm. she also is uh, uh, ha- suffers from anemia. Yeah, well, I think that needs to be addressed because uh, the diet won't cause that. If she had been a a vegetarian or vegan and eating and not avoiding meat, that could be a possible cause of anemia, but that needs to be sorted out. The, the sugar addiction is a real issue and craving carbohydrates. Carbohydrates are a little bit addictive, but sugar is really addictive. Mm. And for many of us, you, it, you have to treat it like any addiction and you just got to cut it and, and know that for three or four weeks, you're going to feel terrible. And, but you must resist the addiction. And what I did, I just said, well, what are the foods on the banting list that I really enjoy? I love cheese, and I love biltong, and I love fish, often uh, tin fish. And I, at the time, I loved chicken breast. So I just filled my fridge with those foods, and that's what I ate for a month. And after a month, I no longer had any craving for carbohydrates. Mm, okay. So that, that you... And you must, when the time you get the craving, you must have the foods available. So for me, it was biltong, cheese, macadamia nuts. And I found them really uh, satisfying. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, let's get to uh, Clay in four ways next. Hello, Clay. Hi, Azania. Yes, hi. Good, thanks. Good. I'd love to spend hours flirting with you because I absolutely love you, but I know you pressed for time. <laughs> yeah, um, as always on Talk Radio. <laughs> Go ahead. Um, uh, Professor Noakes, um, it's very difficult sometimes to find um, banting-approved products and that sort of thing when you go to stores. Obviously, mm-hmm. it makes your life easier. You don't have to cook at home. I see now that Checkers has just launched this banting revolution range. Is it, is it something that is endorsed by, by you and your organization, or is it just something else? Mm-hmm. We haven't really looked at it, but I know who developed it, and it was developed with John O. Proudfoot from the Real Meal Revolution. 
and the guy who developed it, I have faith in him. So I'm, I'm very certain that you can trust those products. I think one just has to watch whether there's any sugar, sugar additives added. That, that's the key. Mm-hmm. The, I think the, there's this big question. Are you going to be absolutely banting and eat only foods that do, are not sweet and haven't been got added, added sweet, sweetness? And if if these products have a bit of sweetness in it, because I haven't seen the product, that's a question for me because I I don't like that. Mm. But otherwise, I, I think they're going to be a very good good range. Right. Well, we haven't managed to get through all the calls that we got. I mean, our lines have been flooded. There's so many questions on Twitter, so many questions on our SMS line. I hope we can have you back in the near future. It will be my pleasure, Azania. I love talking to to the public because the public have embraced this so amazingly. It's just been wonderful to see the change and to see so many people write and say, thank you, you really made me a lot healthier because of the dietary advice. Thank you, Professor Tim Noakes. I was speaking to him from Cape Town about uh, the latest book from the Tim Noakes Foundation, The Banting Pocket Guide.